Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get started today, I want to thank everybody who's been a listener and a guest because yesterday we hit 6 million listens for the lifetime of the podcast and a lot of those have come in the last couple of years. So thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to tune in to all we have to offer and we're going to advance and grow this game together because this podcast is about you, the coach. So today we have an episode from the game plan in our first year, our first in-season we had Terry Shea, who is now an NFL draft consultant, a longtime college and NFL coach, join us to talk about different aspects of the season that affect us all. And in this particular podcast, we focus on distractions. And a lot of times it's the big game, it's homecoming, it's things in the media, sometimes it's an injury. And Coach and I talk about all those things in this episode. So here we go, the game plan with Coach Terry Shea, Distractions. Coach Shea, great to have you here again this week. It's certainly my pleasure to be here again, and I'm looking forward to today's topic. Well, Coach, at this point in the season, there's things that come up like big games, like homecoming games, and in general, the topic we're going to focus on today is avoiding distraction and staying focused throughout the season. And I think before we get into some of those specific topics, let's talk first about the best practices in dealing with the media, both for coaches and for players. And at the pro level, obviously, where you've been coach, at the college level where we've both been, we have whole departments who help us out with those kinds of things, whether that's a communications department or sports information. So we don't have to worry about it as much. But the high school coach today really has to be in tune with how to deal with the media. And to their credit, a lot of local media outlets really put a lot of focus on high school football. So you have the opportunity to be on the radio, on the TV, the internet today, but you want to handle those things right so it doesn't become a distraction and that your players are saying the right way. So coach, as you look back to your days as a head coach, what were some of the parameters you had for your team and how they should deal with the media? Well, I I really believe you start with the premise that the media is not intending to create a negative story. However, there's always that one question that can spring all kinds of issues from the answer. And so you, you want to make sure your players are prepared for that moment. 
And one of the best ways that I found over my many years of coaching at different levels was to actually address this issue during a bye week or if you have an off season where you have your players kind of collected up and you can pull off a good topic of discussion. So that's the beginning point is to try to address this somehow, some way before the season ever begins. But if right now, as we speak, Keith, we, we all know we're right in the midst of a new year. And I think a lot of teams have bye weeks. And if they do, I would try to get away from some of the typical football topics. And when you have a, a collected audience like this, when you have your team together, bring in an outside speaker, address the media issue and all the parameters that go along with it. And of course, the bottom line in addressing the media was player X never, never, ever discuss or throw player Z under the proverbial bus. And that can come up easily in a very emotional moment following a game and sometimes a a game that didn't go your way. I look back at some of the things I used as a, when I was a high school head coach to develop those things. And one of my resources was I had a player who went on to play at Boston College. And at the time, Dan Henning was the coach there. And he had a really good section in his player's manual for how they should deal with the media. It was pretty well outlined to discuss their way that they should address things. Just like you said, you never want to talk about another player. And I think the other thing is if you're talking about opponent, you only want to say good things because whether it's an upcoming opponent that you might mention or someone that you just played, you don't want that to be locker room bulletin board material, either the next season or for an upcoming week. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's sometimes easier mapped out than executed because the emotion of the game is what triggers so much of the energy and the excitement around the game. The player himself obviously carries that emotion So when you have a player in front of a media member, you sometimes, boy, it's difficult to separate the emotion of a response to the, to the reality of a response. I love the idea of having a manual of some sort that you just mentioned, such as the Boston college idea, just something that you can constantly go back to with your team. And even if it's at the very front of your playbook, if you have any form of a playbook, that would be something you could always revert back to. And, and I think the, the more repetition you give the media factor in a player's development, the better off you are as a coach and as a team. Yeah, definitely. Because today the media outlets obviously have opened up so much with social media and that instantaneous kind of stuff that gets out there right away. So that's something you would want to address in there as well. I think the other thing, Coach, is I look back that I I was sure to do all the time, especially when I was taking over a new job and moving into a new community, is that I would reach out early to the media and tell them about who I was, what we planned to do with the program, invite them out to events, because it's a process, and you want them to see that you're building something. You're going to have those years, especially as you take over a program that maybe is a rebuilder, that you want the media on your side. You might not be winning those games, but you want them to report on maybe some things that they start to to view in a different light, that they see the growth in your team. Because if you can alert them to those kinds of things, I think it helps. And those are positive things for your players, your parents, 
your community to read about? I love the proactive approach and to initiate communication with the media at an early stage of the program's development. There's no substitute for that, Keith, and I think that's a great, great approach. There's another way a coach can put a shield around his player or players, and sometimes a media member will call out a coach and say, I'd like to talk to your young quarterback or I'd like to talk to your running back, someone specific. And then I think a coach has every right to inquire with that media representative, can you give me two or three or the four questions you might be asking my player? And then that way you kind of have a running start on what to offer your player going into that interview session. So you can kind of give your player a heads up as to, okay, here are the three or four topics or issues that the media would like to cover with you in this interview. So that's a way a coach can really shield his player from the unsuspected question. Yeah, it's definitely something you want them prepared for. I know at one of our schools we had our own TV channel there, and I was always sure to get from them, and they were great about, here's what we're going to ask your players today. And you prepare your players for those kinds of things. I think that's the best way to, like you said, to deal with it, to be proactive. Coach, as we shift gears here, let's think about some of the things that are happening right now for a lot of schools over the next several weeks. It's that homecoming game. Homecoming game, obviously, there's always the events surrounding it, probably a pep rally, probably a dance, all kinds of issues that go along with those kinds of things. We have to prepare, and we can't just ignore that those things are out there as coaches. It's very difficult to say, oh, we got to stay focused on the game, guys, forget about that, because that's part of their lives. That's part of the experience. So what do you have to offer coaches, and how do you prepare for a week like that, like homecoming, that has all the, the different activities outside of the game? Well, I, I think it begins with the, with the coaches are embracing the week. A coach has to demonstrate that that's part of the game of football is to enjoy the fun element of the game. And, of course, a homecoming week or anything like this kind of an event lends itself to, to being a lot of fun for just not the players, but the entire school. And I think a coach really, in his own way, can demonstrate in embracing an event like this, tends to relax the environment of which the player exists. And I think if a player is a little bit more relaxed during a big distraction week, like a homecoming event, I think he's going to find himself making better decisions making the right decisions, and it'll lead to better preparation for the game itself. You know, a lot of these players, when it comes to that homecoming week, they're as concerned as who they're going to take to the dance as they are, what do I do on 25X in Y cross? So you've got to understand that as coaches, and you address it accordingly. And I would certainly take one day at a time during that course of that week and somehow bring the homecoming event to the forefront and talk about it once every day. You don't have to spend a lot of time on it. And I think it's a great opportunity to bring in a former player who went through a homecoming event right there on that campus and let him speak to the players maybe right after a practice and give that speaker a theme. Tell him, here's what I'd like to see you touch on when you talk to our players tonight. 
So there's a lot of ways to carve out a, the right way to do it. And then by embracing it is very, very important. I agree 100%. And I think if, and again, looking back to my days as a head coach at the high school level, putting those things in the itinerary for your players at the beginning of the week and addressing it that, Hey, on this day, we're going to have a pep rally on this day is the dance. And, and I always like to use humor a little bit too at the beginning. So to get them to talk about it a little bit, they are quick to jab each other a little bit about who they're taking, whatever, and give them the time to have that release as a team. And like you said, relax everything around what can become very tense if you try to avoid and stay focused on the game. Don't make them feel like they're doing the team a disservice because they're also taking care of all the other things that go along with a very memorable experience for them in their career. Oh, certainly. Shoot, one of your players may be the homecoming king, and they may ask him to do something at halftime. So you've really got to adapt to every situation as a head coach. But in this particular situation, you've got to have some fun with it. And I really believe, Keith, that's what relaxes the environment in which that player exists. And it helps you... I think play at a very high level come game time because the players will be charged with great energy in spite of what has happened throughout the week. Yeah. The the one thing I always like to do, because inevitably we would have those players on the team, usually the quarterback or a team captain who's on the homecoming court or several of them. And at most places they don't announce who the king and queen are to halftime so one thing we did to kind of settle the tension around that is I would always go to the appropriate faculty member find out beforehand and let that player know also let our team know and give a moment to congratulate them because they're not going to see that portion of it they're going to be in the locker room at halftime it also gives me the opportunity to tell my coaches hey remember these are the guys who are out on the field you're going to have to spend some time with them right at the end of halftime to go over any adjustments you made with them. And we always would work that into what we were doing. That's a very thorough approach. And if you have any doubt when you deal with these kind of distractions, a lot of times coaches don't understand their best resources are certain members of the faculty that may have a hidden talent, may have a background in journalism, may have a background in public relations, may have a background in psychology as it pertains to relationships, boy, tap into those kind of people and see if they can assist you during a week such as homecoming. Absolutely. I really like that idea of bringing in some of the players from the past, bringing in somebody who can be of assistance with those things, give it a different perspective. And I think that game starts to not be as anxiety-filled for them. You want it to be as much as possible like a regular game, noting that there's a lot of festivities around it. The other thing, Coach, in speaking of types of games like that, that can be a potential distraction is the big game. And again, treating a game like that, that maybe it takes on a life of its own, that again, you want to embrace the opportunity You want players to be excited about it, but at the same time, you need them to perform at a very high level like they do when there aren't those outside distractions involved with a game like that. Oh, I I think that's one of the more exciting aspects of a schedule. When you look at your schedule from year to year and you see, okay, here's where our arch rival comes into play. 
And I think that's the, boy, that's the energy and the pomp and the excitement of football is the traditional big game that every school has on their schedule. I remember coaching at Stanford University, and our big game was against the California Golden Bears. And the winner of that game won the axe. That was the symbol of victory. But I know I took my Stanford players each night. Now, in college, you have a little bit more time with your players. But I would take them into a meeting room after practice. And I think it was right after they showered up before they went to dinner. And I'd have a guest speaker come in each each night. It wasn't a guest speaker on Friday because I think as a coach, when you're the night before the game, you'd like to be the you'd like to be the voice that your players hear. But on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I brought in three former players or alumni that had something to do with the big game, and they each had a topic that I would ask them to hit on. And so you not only embrace the game itself, Keith, but you embrace the history of the game. And in a way, that's an educational tool that you can't pass up with young high school players. It really is a great opportunity. And you think about your school and traditions and that rivalry, you really, you want to embrace it because it becomes part of your culture. I mean, you could look at at some of those big rivalries across the country. You look at, for example, Ohio State, Michigan, and everything around that game from the gold pants charm to all the different things that happen at each home site. A great thing, obviously a huge part for each program in playing that game. And you want your players to embrace that as well. So from that standpoint, I love that idea. I think for me, in trying to make them feel that it is a game, when you boil it down and the game gets going, it's going to feel like any other game in a lot of ways. You have to constantly remind them of that too, and that the focus really is on performance and keeping them kind of level-headed. You don't want them to think they have to do anything extra in this game. They just need to go out and do their job. Boy, if you can keep your players on an even keel like that, you've got great chance for success in any game, but even more specifically in the big game or the traditional game. There are a lot of fun things you can do during the week. You can dress a player up in, in a practice jersey or an outfit that uh, reflects your opponent. I mean, there's lots of fun things that your players will always remember when they think back to their big game experience or their rival game. And a coach can really inject some great memories if he gives us some real thought and change up the routine just slightly, whether it's through the form of a a player being dressed up accordingly or uh, one of your, you know, you know, the old Notre Dame trick about changing jerseys at halftime of their big game. Not that you can afford to do something like that, but just something along those lines that will make the big game even more special for your players. Coach, to finish things up today, let's talk about another situation that potentially has a distraction tied to it, and that's the injury to the key player. Maybe it's the quarterback Maybe it's that middle linebacker on defense who's just a playmaker for you. Maybe it's someone on special teams like your kicker that it's hard to live without. How do you approach dealing with those types of things so those don't become a distraction with your team? Because 
what it does in some sense is it rattles your team's confidence. Well, that's one of the toughest situations a coach faces and the leadership of a football team faces sometimes when you lose a key player. And I think, number one, I would encourage all the coaches in the audience to keep that key player involved with the team during the course of that week or a number of weeks, meaning make sure he's at every meeting, make sure he's, if he's capable of being at every practice. So the players don't form a thought in their mind that that player is by his disappearance or by his absence, he becomes bigger than life. But by the constant reminder that, Hey, he's still here. He's still with us. And the next guy in line is going to step up and, and play with tremendous passion to replace him. That's a starting point. And sometimes that very important player disappears throughout the week. And all of a sudden he becomes more of a, a mystique, a mystery than what it should be. And it lends itself to even more of a distraction. So that would be my first starting point, Keith, is to encourage all the coaches to make sure that key player or player is part of every event, every activity that you have during the course of a week. Yeah, and I think there's two sides of that to address. One is I think you got to get to that key player right away and make sure you emphasize to him the importance of his role in being there because a lot of times those players, they're upset about it. And to them, they don't mind maybe going and hiding in the training room uh, or not being visible to the team because they feel the effect of that. And I think the second thing, as I mentioned, the, the training room, that you want to work with your training personnel that you might want to do some stuff with him. He might need to do some rehab or work in there, but we also need him out for practice for the morale of the team, and it's just important. So maybe you're able to work out different times when he can get in there and still be visible during practice. That's a great point you you brought out, Keith. Maybe the most lonely time for any player in his history of playing football is when he was injured. And boy, that's when that player goes through probably the toughest challenge of his football career is to handle the injured feature of who he is at that moment. And boy, to sit down with that injured player as a coach and give him some parameters, give him some ideas on how he can contribute, boy, that keeps his self-esteem right where you want it. And I think that's the starting point is to make sure the player understands his value. And then consequently, that will reflect itself with the rest of the team as it goes through the week. So that's a lonely time is when your your football player of any value is on the injured list and he starts to feel like he's not as important as he was. And coach, if it's one of those situations where that player's season is done, especially that senior who isn't going to have that opportunity again, and I had this happen to me, while I was at Baldwin-Wallace University, one of our top receivers in our scrimmage tears his ACL on a punt return, and he's done. And it's one of those things. He could have been in the training room the whole season and disappeared on us. But I emphasized to him the importance of how much we needed him to be out there and to be a coach to that young freshman who had to step in in his place. And I'll tell you what, he did an outstanding job in being essentially a coach for us 
He had a, a fifth year. He had to come back for one more semester to take some classes, and he stayed on as a student coach for us. And right now, he's a very successful offensive coordinator, and a lot of that came out from that experience for him, that it really looked like something was going to be, for him at the time, major tragedy in his life, ended up being something that propelled him in another area of his life. That's a real neat story. I would encourage the coaches to give the injured player a responsibility during the course of the week. And, I mean, it could be as simple as charting who catches balls during each practice and tally up the numbers of catches that each player made and then submit it to the coach each night. And those kinds of things can really keep the morale of your football team at a high level and it starts with the injured player. And sometimes the injured player can drag the morale of a team in the other direction. If you keep him involved, giving him just small projects and small tasks, you're on the right foot in terms of making sure your team really works through that emotional time when they lose one of their key players. Coach, I think as with everything we've talked about on our segment here called The Game Plan, it is about having a plan for all of those things that are going to happen through the course of the season. In this case, of what we talked today, have a plan for some of those things that, if not handled properly, become major distractions. So some great stories and ideas that you offer today, and appreciate you spending the time with us again to share those. Isn't it amazing, Keith, the complexity of the game? Here we spent an amount of time discussing issues that can lead to success, or failure sometimes on the scoreboard and they have nothing to do with the X's and O's of the game itself. So uh, that's the beauty of this game that we're all involved with. Absolutely, Coach. Well, I look forward to uh, our topic next week. We're going to get back to some X and an O in a little bit and we're going to talk about trick plays and, and some ideas for how you incorporate those into your offense and maybe special teams as well. Looking forward to it. I remember that one of the better trick plays was the Cal Stanford game when the band came on the field, <laughs> and that was certainly a trick play of the ages. So Absolutely. I, I'll look forward to it. That, that'll be fun. All right, Coach. Thanks again. Thank you again for 6 million listens. Keep tuning in to all we're doing this season. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski. Follow all we're doing at CoachAndCoordinator.com.